Good morning. At the end of worship, Randy had a word that he'd like to come up and share. If you guys want to find your seats, get ready to receive. Okay, um, just sitting there, and just as she got done with the prayer, I, God popped this word into my head, and the word was imagine. And uh, also, along with that, was 1 Corinthians 2.9. So I was sitting there putting it all together, and uh, the Lord gave us an imagination. We all have one. It's kind of fun to use it every once in a while. And uh, so I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 2.9. It says, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind can conceive, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Now, I don't know if you take that that verse slowly apart, it's pretty incredible. No eye has seen. We haven't even seen it. We haven't heard it. We haven't even imagined it. But I think the Lord is saying, give it a shot. Begin to imagine who I really am, what I have for you. And uh, yeah, the Lord to me just has such incredible things ahead for us, things that we, we have no clue about right now. It's going to be incredible. I think of heaven sometimes. I've had kind of a dismal view of heaven, like I'm going to be up there on my knees for eternity, you know, like this. And it, it's the, my imagination has said, no, it's nothing like that. God has a plan that's far beyond anything I can think or imagine. And I'm looking forward to it. You know, I'm 75 years old, and... I'm finally looking forward to going to heaven. And I think we all should be because it's going to be so incredible. We haven't even imagined what it's going to be like, but it's going to be pretty awesome. So anyway, I think the essence of that word imagine is God wants us to start to imagine, to use our imagination, to go beyond where we are now with him. Okay. Amen. We'll use our imagination today. So, my name is David. I'm glad you guys are here, everybody online. Um, if it's your first time here, we'd love to meet with you, talk to you, uh, get to know you a little bit. If you've been here a while, we don't really care anymore. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we also want to chat and go out to lunch, have coffee. Um, so, what I'm planning on doing today is I'm going to try to build off the last three weeks and then add to it. So the first week was I, January 1st, I preached on David and Goliath. So this, is, this was Goliath, but he died, and now this is Goliath's great, 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 great grandfather. <laughs> so did any of you guys look up the scriptures I gave you about giants? Were your eyes opened? Okay. Last, uh, Dr. Joyce um, spoke on a lot of things, and the 
summary of it as in 2023, she believes God is going to be putting doors before you, big doors that you can't miss, and for you to be able to walk through them. Matt last week talked about how, real briefly, how to understand what a door is. You know, what does it actually look like? And so today I'm going to try to talk about all three of those and how to move forward. So I believe that in every promised land in your life, there is a giant. So the reason I put this guy up here again is because this is roughly the, the height of what Goliath would be. He's about 10 feet tall. The average person, male back then, you know, they're guessing off of skeletons and different things, would be between 5 foot and 5 foot 4. So with shoes on, I'm about 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, so it would be a whole foot less of what the giants would look like in real life. So I want to pray, and then we're going to get started. Holy Spirit, we love you. We thank you that you live in us. Lord, we ask you that your presence would surround us today, that we would have insight in how you see us, how you feel about us. Release that spirit of wisdom and revelation, Lord. Open up the eyes of our heart so that we will see you clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. So first, how do you recognize a door that the Lord has placed before you? So I just wrote down just four examples. You know, if you guys want to take a pen and paper out, it would probably be helpful, or type it on your phone. Number one, it's an opportunity to do something new. So what do I mean by that? I mean like if you are sitting at your job and you feel like the Lord is saying, you just have to stop, maybe I should look for a new job. That is the Lord opening up a door in your life. Now, when you have that thought, it's not because you're frustrated with your current job. And when you have that thought, hey, I should look for another job, immediately you feel good about it. You feel excited. You have vision. You're like, yeah, I could do this, this, and this in this new place. Now, normally after you have that excitement, usually we'll say reality sunks in, and then we stop thinking about that anymore. So that, that's what I mean by a new door. Um, conflict. Conflict is often a door. Um, an example would be if you're a parent, you'll know this very easily, especially if you have a teenager. They're doing something they're not supposed to do. And that is a door for you to enter into their lives and speak to them where they're at and to get them at the end of the day to trust you more than where they were before. That's a door. That's an opportunity for you to walk through. You, you could choose not to walk through it and let your kids make the mistakes and not fight for them. Or you could try to meet them where they're at and speak life over them. Number three, things that God has spoken over your life. So what I mean by that one is, you know, a lot of us have had prophetic words over the years, or God has spoken to us over the years about things he has for us, plans he has for us. A lot of times we forget about them. And you could just be sitting in your car, driving to work one day, and then the Lord brings up a memory saying, hey, do you remember when I told you that you're going to write a book? You're going to have that thought come back up. You're going to have that prophetic word come back up. That's the Lord creating a door before you of the past prophetic words that were spoken over your life. He's putting it before you again for you to walk through. Number four, God brings up things that you used to do that you no longer do. So what I mean by that, and as an example, 
is sometimes people, when they first get saved, they get really excited. They don't really care about money too much, and they're extravagant givers. You know, whatever they have, they just want to give to the poor. They want to give to a friend in need, and you just easily do it without even thinking. A lot of times after you are around a lot longer, your desire to give extravagantly maybe goes away. And so if you're sitting in your car, again, I'm just going to use that analogy, and you're driving, and the Lord brings up, why don't you give $1,000 to this person or to this organization? The Lord is opening up a door for you again to walk into the identity that you used to have. That promises of being an extravagant giver or uh, is a way for us to enter in. And the way we enter in is by giving. So that would be that example. Now, examples on what it means to walk through a door. So those were examples of what a door is. Now, how do I walk through it? So I have three examples, and I'm going to make them personally. Um, so in October of last year, the Lord spoke, spoke to me about this upcoming year, 2023. He said, David, it's going to be a year of financial blessing. It's going to be a year of health. And it's going to be a a year of opportunity. So I was excited because if you know me, I have had above average health problems for a couple years now. I'm excited to be healthy. I'm excited to have money, you know, like bring on the finances, Lord. And I'm excited for a new opportunity. So how do I walk through those doors? Number one, the health one. So I'm like, okay, Lord, I'll I'll try to start eating healthier. I'll start trying to maybe work out a little bit. And so as soon as January 1st comes, so October, I'm healthy. November, I'm healthy. December, I'm healthy. January 2nd hits, and I damaged my right eardrum. Damaged it so bad that it's like stabbing pain in my ear most days, all day long. It's like a knife just stabbing my eardrum. And when I hear music or loud noise, it still hurts. Then within a couple days of that, I got really sick. Had a really bad cold. I'm like, okay, Lord, just a cold, no big deal. Then my tooth starts hurting. I go to the doctor and they say, okay, you need a root canal. Within a day of getting that, uh, them saying I need a root canal, which is also going to attack my finances, is I had this horrible rash on my body that hurt so bad I could barely stand it. I couldn't even sleep. This rash was just driving me crazy. All these things were happening the past couple weeks. And it's because there is a giant that is trying to keep me away from my promises. It's trying to discourage me that this year is going to be a year of health. It's trying to discourage me that this is going to be a year of finances. And it's going to be trying to discourage me just to pull back. So how do you walk through a door? Another example would be finances. So I took finances and I said, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready for opportunity. So what it doesn't usually mean is that I'm going to win the lottery, right? If God speaks finances over you, usually you're not going to win the lottery. You still might try it, but you're probably not going to win it. So how do I grow with finances? So I start reading books. I start reading, uh, well, I shouldn't say books. I start reading articles of different ways to make money. And I have different ideas come up in my head hey, maybe you could buy cars at auctions and flip them. And then it was, well, maybe you could buy houses and flip those, refinance them, and own them as rental properties and make money. So none of these things I know how to do. But I'm getting ideas of how to create finances, and I put my hands to it to try to see what happens. So what I mean by that is, so with this uh, 
house flipping thing, I bought a book. If you know me, I can honestly say for the past 10 years of my life, I've only bought one other book that I wanted to buy. I don't buy books. Dennis and Matt make me buy books, and we have to read books together. I, I do not enjoy it. It's very painful to my heart. I grumble all the time, but I do it anyway. So I buy this book. I bought it January 5th. It arrived January 8th from Amazon. I haven't opened it yet. It's sitting in my laptop bag. But I don't feel bad about it. I know that I took a step to buy it, and I will get to reading it to try to understand it. I'm not putting the pressure on me that I have to make this happen right now. I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to lead me through the door. I see the door. He has to lead me through it, okay? And then the opportunities. So I, I used to, uh, when I got saved, we used to do a lot of evangelism. And we would go out to the, the neighborhoods, we'd go to the streets, we'd knock on doors, we'd pray for the sick, we prophesy over them, we evangelize to them, we give them words of knowledge. That was just something we did for fun, me and my roommates. We would just go out and do it. Well, over the past years, I haven't really done that. And I felt the Lord bring up evangelism to me. Now, when he brought up the past things that I've done with evangelism, I didn't feel shameful. I didn't feel like I was disappointing God. What happened was is I felt excited for the opportunity to try to step out in that again. But when I started thinking about it, the next step is you tell somebody about it. And as soon as I was ready to tell somebody that I was ready to step out in a new way, it doesn't mean I'm going to evangelize like I used to. It could be different. Uh, I get this thought, well, you used to do that, but what if you don't have that authority anymore? What if you go lay hands on the sick and they don't get healed? What happens when you show up and you don't give them a prophetic word and you're just standing there and you don't know anything about them? And it was the giant in that land of promise trying to convince me not to do it. So I have to choose. I'm not going to listen to him. I'm going to listen to the Holy Spirit who's leading me down this path. Amen? So behind every door, there is a giant standing in your promised land. Now, the only chance that giant has is to cause you to do two things. Number one, question what God has said to you. He will bring up, he will create doubt in your mind. I'm just, I have already used this as an example, but a book. God has spoken over your life that you're called to write a book. And when you start thinking about it again, that giant will say, you're not really called to write a book. You tried that before, it didn't work. Nobody would buy it. You don't have time for it. You've tried before and you failed. Let's move on. That's the demon, that's the giant, trying to get you not to believe the word of the Lord over your life. Number two, he causes you to question who you are. He causes you to question who you are. He causes you to have doubt that you're a son and a daughter of God. He causes you to question him being a good father over your life. He's causing you to question that you actually are a giant slayer. You are a giant killer in your life, and you don't even remember the giants that you've conquered over the past 
because he's creating you to only think of the very now moment in your life. Does that make sense? Now, these are what giants want you to feel. So I'm going to just list some of these things. And if it rings a bell to you, then you know when you get those thoughts, when you feel this way, it's a demon. It's a giant trying to discourage you from walking out in the promises God has for you. Fear. So fear is huge. Fear of failure. Fear of uh, loss. Like, hey, I'm going to invest in this and not return anything. Fear of man. What casts out fear? Perfect love. It attacks the love that you feel that God has for you. That fear does. And it grips you and it twists and it twists and it manipulates to where you give up because you're so scared to move forward and you lose sight on how much Jesus loves you. He brings up disappointments from the past. What I mean by that is when you've tried to do it before, you've tried to walk through that door, and you felt like you got slammed in the face by the door. It wasn't the right time. You had problems, and you weren't, you didn't feel equipped to go through that door. But Jesus has equipped you to face every giant that you're going to face. You will not fail with Jesus. He's taught you how to pray. He's given you truth. It's our duty to grab that truth and to run with it. He makes you feel like you'll never be able to do it. He makes your promises seem so big that you'll never be able to accomplish it. It's just lies. Lies upon lies upon lies. So he's up there, this giant, and he's speaking down on us a whole bunch of lies so we won't enter. He all, and then one of the common ones, he says, you're not ready yet. This one sounds like the Holy Spirit, but it's not. He says, you're not ready yet. You need to prepare more. You're not gifted enough yet. You don't know the Bible enough yet. You don't have faith enough yet to step out in a new job. Those are the ways the, the giants try to manipulate the truth and make you think like it's God giving you wisdom, but in reality it's false. Does that make sense? So Jesus has equipped you to win against every giant in your way. Now this is a key thing I'm going to say. So I'm going to call them giants, but you could think demons, devils, whatever you like. The giant will always attack what the last thing God said over you. I'm going to read that again. The giant will always attack what the last thing God has said to you. So an example of this is Matthew chapter 3 and uh, chapter 4. So Matthew chapter 3 is Jesus goes and gets baptized, right? He comes up out of the water, and what's the, what does God say from heaven? You are my son in whom I'm well pleased. It says then in chapter 4, the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. The devil comes to Jesus, and the first thing he says is, if you are the son of man, if you are the son of God, then do this. He's, he's trying to create doubt, and the last thing that God has actually spoken over Jesus is that you are my son, in whom I'm well pleased. And now the devil, the very first thing he's doing, is trying to get you to doubt the last thing that God has spoken over you, because he thinks if he can steal it now, it won't get roots down inside of you. Right now it's fresh on your mind, and he's able to swoop in. 
You have to guard the words that God speaks over us so that the enemy doesn't come in and steal them before they plant roots in our lives and change us. A good way to do that is to write it down. Tell a friend. Tell your wife. Tell your husband. Tell your kids. Tell whoever. When you get a promise from God, and it's hard to do because it scares us to share our personal things with the Lord, with other people, is we tell somebody else, and when we tell them, it already creates like an anchor in that word for us. It creates accountability. They can then bring it up to us. Hey, do you remember when God said this over you that you're going to write a book? It brings you strength in your time of need. Now, another uh, thing to think about that happens often. Well, hold on. I got ahead of myself. The story of the promised land. That's what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to give a really brief uh, Bible summary. Uh, I'm going to miss things. It's not important. I'm just trying to give you like an overall view, okay? So God comes to Abraham, calls out Abraham, says, hey, I have a promised land for you. Come, leave your father's house. Follow me. Abraham leaves. He goes to the promised land. He gets there. A famine happens. He has to leave the promised land to go to Egypt. He's in Egypt for a while, and then he goes back to the promised land, and uh, he flourishes. He has so many cattle that him and his nephew Lot have to separate. After Abraham, um, you know, you have Isaac and Jacob, and then you have Joseph, who, because of famine and brothers being mean to him, he gets taken to Egypt. The rest of his family comes to Egypt because of a famine, and now they're in Egypt, and uh, they became so great that the Egyptians got um, jealous or worried or whatever kind of word you want to use, and so they enslaved the Israelites. And then in about Exodus 3, maybe? Exodus 3, God comes to Moses and says, Hey, I've heard my people's cry. I'm going to take you to the promised land flowing with milk and honey. So that's a very brief overview of what's going on. And so God does all these signs and wonders for, with Moses, with the Egyptians, over the Egyptians, for Israel, to bring them out of slavery and headed to the promised land flowing with milk and honey. So they get to the land, right? So I'm skipping a lot of things. They get to the land. They've seen all these miracles. And they say, okay, let's find 12 leaders among us who we're going to send into the promised land and for them to kind of scout it out. So it says that these 12 men went in, and they were in there for 40 days, searching it, looking at it. Remember, it's a big thing. They don't have cars and motorcycles to drive around on. They're walking. They're seeing things. And when they come back, two of them report, hey, we should take the land. The other 10 say, there are giants in the land that make us look like grasshoppers, and we can't beat them. Let's not go. When those ten leaders spoke to the camp, that says that the whole of Israel was in fear and wanted to kill Moses and go back to Egypt because they didn't want and didn't believe they could fight and take on the giants. So God comes to Moses and says, Hey, you guys aren't entering the promised land now because of your unbelief. Only Jacob and Joshua get to go in. So at that time, 
then the people grieve. Oh, man, we missed out. And so then they decide, hey, we're going to go into the promised land and fight them now. And Moses says, don't go. God just told you not to go. Don't go. Oh, no, no, no. These are our promises. We're going to go now. They go, and the giants kill them. They just wipe them out. They just slaughter them. Why is this important? It's important because we can't create the timing of the Lord. When there is a door before us, we see the door. We start moving towards the door, but we don't run and open up the door ourselves without God being with us. He has to be with us. He has to be leading us. And you'll feel the gentleness of the Lord. You won't feel rushed. You won't feel anxiety like, hey, I have to do this right now or I'm going to fail or I'm going to miss it. All of those things are lies from the devil, from the giants, to get you to move quickly so you fail and miss it. The Lord wants to prepare your heart and prepare your life to be able to go through those doors into the promised land. So let's fast forward again. They go into the wilderness for 40 years. Everybody dies except Jacob and Joshua, or Caleb and Joshua. They get to the promised land and they enter it, right? And so when they enter it, they start conquering different groups that are supposed to be in there, like different cities, you know, the walls of Jericho, right? We all know the story how they walk around the walls of Jericho. You know, one thing that I'll throw out there that is my interpretation, that you guys can take it or not, I believe that there were lots of giants, and I think the Bible tells us that in the land. That explains to me why Jericho's wall was so tall. If the average person is 5'4", and the walls are 40 feet high, why would they need to be that high? It's because Jericho was protecting itself from the other giants in the land. But that's just a side note. So Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 10. I'm going to read it. A race of giants called the Ammonites had once lived in the area of Ar. There was also a strong number and tall as the Anakites, another race of the giants. So there's, it leads you to believe that there's two different camps, tribes of people who are giants or have giants in their land. Now, one of the giants' land is called Anak, A-N-A-K. They were known as to be giants. If you remember in January when I taught on Goliath, he came from that tribe. He came from that person group. So there's a lineage in the Bible of giants in the land of the promise that we have to conquer. Joshua chapter 10. I'm going to summarize it because there's just so much going on. Uh, The Israelites come into the land and they make peace with one of the tribes. The other tribe, they conquer one tribe and then they make peace with one. And then the other tribes with the giants come together and they're like, we got to go take on the person they just made a a covenant with. Not a covenant, but um, a relationship with. And we'll attack them. So these tribes go and attack the other tribe. That tribe sends word to Joshua and says, hey, we're being under attack, we need your help. So he comes, and what it says is God speaks to Joshua and says, take courage. Take courage. You will overcome. You will overcome. And it says in the scripture in Joshua 10 that that what they say is stones fell from heaven that killed more people than Joshua killed. So we say that's hail now. Who really knows? 
In the word it says stones. So imagine out of nowhere, you have all these armies there, and stones start falling from heaven and killing them. And Joshua sees that, and he takes courage, and he says, son, don't move. He holds the sun still so that he and his army can go forth and start removing everything from his promised lands. All the people, so he can kill them all before the sun goes down. Because they don't have flashlights. They don't have all these things to be able to fight in the dark. They need to have light. Joshua had courage to step out and say that. God didn't tell him, hey, you, you command that the sun stay still. No, God told Joshua, you take courage and you go, and I'll be with you. God is saying that over us in so many areas of our lives, but we lack the courage or the faith or the identity to move forward. Say, God, you said take courage and this is mine. I'm going for it. And you're going to help me along the way. Amen? So Judges chapter 3 is very important. Judges chapter 3 tells us that God intentionally left those five tribes in the land of the promise so that Israel would learn how to fight. He left them there because they just spent the whole time in the wilderness. They didn't have any fight. The food was provided. Everything was provided for them. They get to the land of promise now, and God says they need to know how to fight. They don't know how to fight. So I'm going to leave these people here so they can learn. God is saying that over you too. God has put giants in your land of promise because he wants you to see yourself the way he sees you. He doesn't want you to be worried like when we're in a battle, like a spiritual battle I'm talking about. When we're having that hard time, a lot of times we're looking at the battle. From God's perspective, he's, he's looking at your victory. He's already seen you overcome. He's equipped you to move past the demonic forces and to create the blessing that God has for you. Now, uh, an example of this, um, of fighting, you know, some people might not agree with me, but I am, I'm not perfect. Uh, my son, Lincoln, I think he's 11. He's 10, 11, or 12, somewhere in there. He had a bowl, he has, this year, um, he came home from school, and he said, you know, this kid grabbed my hair. He keeps grabbing my hair and pushing me and hitting me. And I looked at him, and my first thought was, I'm going to go talk to the teacher. That, that didn't cross my mind. My first thought was, I'm going to go talk to the principal. That didn't talk my mind. The first thing I told him is I looked at him, and I said, Lincoln, you hold your fist like this, and you aim for his nose. And you just hit him as hard as you can hit him. And he won't bully you anymore. He looked at me. He had courage. The next day, he threw the punch. I told him, if you throw the punch, I'm not going to ground you. I'm not going to get you in trouble. They might suspend you, but I am not going to punish you because you need to learn how to fight. You have to learn to stand up to the Goliaths and the bullies and the giants. And this is a way that a man teaches a boy to become a man is to let him fight his battles. I equip him. I teach him how to do it. But he has to do it. He has to learn how to do it. And you're going to get hit and you're going to lose sometimes, but you get back up and you try again. I believe God has that same idea with us as he's equipped you to fight. He wants you to be stronger. He wants you to have strength. He wants to fill you up. 
And sometimes we don't believe that that's the way he feels about us, so we never enter those doors. We always stand off and say, I, I see those giants in that, that land you just told me, God. They're kind of big. I don't really want to go there. Too much risk. How about we do something else? That's the kind of internal conversations we have with God when he puts opportunities before us. Now, one thing that happens is sometimes we leave promises that God's already given us. So what I mean by that is like, I'm going to use the example with Abraham. Abraham left his father's house in faith, got to the land of promise, but then a famine happened, like he had to leave. So he left, and then he came back. What happened when he came back? It says that the cattle were so much, the sheep or whatever he was doing, that his servants were fighting with his nephew Lot because they were prospering so much. Abraham had to leave, but he didn't lose sight of the promise that God had for him. So he went back, and he reaped the prom- some of the promises that God had spoken over him. The confusing part is, is if you read Hebrews chapter 11, Abraham sa- it says about Abraham that he arrived at the land of the promise, but he was still searching for the city whose builder and maker was God. That he wasn't content with just the the literal place of ownership. He wanted to be where God was, and he was continually looking for where where God was moving and where he was, and he wanted to be with him. That's the desire of our hearts. I know it. I know every one of you. Your desire is to be with Jesus and for Jesus to be with you and you to be confident in how he feels about you. And the giants in our promised lands and our lives are trying to get us not to believe that. So I'm going to list, you know, I just asked the Lord to give me some examples that maybe we walked in and then we walked away for some reason or another. And I believe 2023, God is going to be bringing us back to some of the promises that were spoken over our lives. I'll just list some of them. Desire to write a book. Desire to start a business. Desire to travel. This was an interesting one, and it, I didn't, not like convicted like I felt shameful again, convicted like, man, I, I kind of dropped the ball, I need to do that some more. You know, one of the promises I feel like I left is I used to get up often and read and spend time with him, and I cultivated that promised land with him, of me meeting him in the mornings before I did anything else, and I've seen where distractions have come in in the mornings to where I'm not really fellowshipping with him as much as I used to. So I left that intimacy, that promise that he has with me to meet me in the mornings. So I know now internally I need to go back there. What are the steps to go back there? I I do baby steps. Okay, today I'm going to get up. I'm going to spend five minutes. I'm going to read. I'm going to pray. I'm going to do whatever I feel led to do, but it's going to be intentional to spend time with him. And when I do that, I'll see the time grow more and more. It'll go 5 to 10, 10 to 20. It'll just progress to the place where it used to be. Does that make sense? I believe that many of us in this room used to probably read the Bible more than we currently do. I believe we probably used to pray more than we normally do right now. And it's not like a condemning thing. It's an invitation saying, hey, these are the promises God has spoken over you. Let's return to the promises that he's given us. Now, 
I have a, an interesting kind of thing. If I said for you to stop right now and think about everything that you've overcome in the past year, is it fresh in your mind? Where the Lord's delivered you, where he's helped you with finances, where he's helped you with relationships, where he's helped you with your family and your jobs. Is it in front of your mind or is it somewhere back here where we have to think about it? I personally had to think about it. I'm like, well, I know you did this, but then I'm sure there's a whole bunch more than I'm missing. Right? We easily forget when God steps in and how quickly the giant takes it and steals it from our hearts. So one of the things I did with my family, see, right here, how many uh, fisher, fishing people do we have? People who fish, regular fish. Okay, so everybody knows what a, a fishing stringer is. A stringer is where you put it through the gill of the fish, and then it comes out the mouth, and you just keep adding the fish to it that you're catching, and these are your trophies, right? You get to go home, and you're like, hey, this is my thing. So... This right here is my giant head line. If you, if you can see them, there, there's pictures of faces on them. What we did was, each one of my kids and my family, we each got a balloon. We each got a balloon, and we made the faces of the giant. Then around it, we wrote the, and out loud talked about where we saw God deliver us this last year in 2022. We talked about it with one another. And literally, one of the kids were crying because they were seeing how God delivered them from adversaries, delivered them and helped them when they didn't, weren't recognizing it. It's powerful. These are the heads that we're carrying in the spirit that we don't see. You know, so in uh, a funny picture, and this is just me making up, adding to Scripture Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19 is when uh, it says that these Jewish people come to cast out a demon. There's like seven of them. They go in and they say, like, in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches, you know, come out. And then the demon speaks back to them and says, I know Jesus and I've heard of Paul, but I don't know you. And then the demon attacks them and they all run out naked. Paul, in the spirit, was a giant killer. He had the heads of the ones that stood up against him. We are giant killers. You, each one of us, probably have thousands and thousands of heads in the spirit that we don't recognize, that we're not walking in that authority because we easily forget the times when we've overcome by his blood and by his leadership and by his leading. Does that make sense? So what I, what I felt like the Lord said is, so what we do is we put this, you know, in our entryway. I know it's tacky, you know. It's in the entryway. We see it in the mornings. We talk about it. We ask about it. We write on it. And what it reminds us is it reminds us of what the Lord did in our lives so we have faith and courage to step out in the next giant. This brought unity encouraged to my family just by riding on a balloon. And so what I felt like the Lord said is that in this chest here is we got the war booty, you know, the treasure. I put bags with balloons and rope on them. So right now what I'm going to ask 
is for one person from every, you know, household, because I don't know if I have enough. I think I have enough for everybody, but I don't want anybody missing one. So just one person from the household, come forward, grab your bag, take it home, and do this with your loved ones, with your family members, your grandkids, your sons, your daughters, your friends. Because what it does is it creates the testimony of Jesus. If this is hanging somewhere where somebody can see it and they enter my house, they're going to laugh and be like, what is that? That is the door for me to say that's where Jesus delivered my family. Those are the times where we overcome the giants in our promised lands, and I'm able to witness to people because of balloons. Okay, so come forward, everybody, at least one person from your family. Grab some treasure. Grab the heads of the giants. I encourage you when you guys go home and you try it. I encourage you to do it with joy. Do it when you're already happy. Because when you're already happy, it fuels your heart to let other people in. And it's very hard to let people in because we put walls up in our lives. And we don't want even our own family members to know where we've struggled and where the Lord's overcome. Amen? So one of the things that we all know about giants, right? We know, what we know about this giant is what? That he's filled with air. He's filled with hot air. So once we remove... His power source of lies, of fear, of manipulation, he just will swivel up and be no more. And take out a Christmas tree. So what I want us to do now is uh, I want to give you a verse to pray about. I think people have already said this over us, but I'm going to say it again. Psalms chapter 20, verse 4. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill your whole plan. May he grant you your heart's desire. Your heart's desire is where the Lord leads you. He leads you through your emotions. He leads you to truth. Now, when I say he leads you through emotions, I don't, I'm not talking about the negative emotions that he tries to get you to believe. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit emotions that are uplifting and true Even when he's correcting me, I feel clean about it. I don't feel guilty. I feel hopeful that I will be able to do what he's asking me to do. And I don't look at my failure because he doesn't look at my failure. He looks at my victory. So there's this song that uh, I'm going to have Ryan play in a minute. And the song is called Battle Belongs by Brian and Jen Johnson. And during the song... I want two things. One, if you want to come forward for prayer, for courage and boldness. That's what I feel like God wants to release today, is courage and boldness to step out and to take on the giants. And if that's not something that's on your heart at the moment, what I think you should do is ask the Lord to show you over this last year where he's delivered you from, where he's strengthened you, where he's given you the strength to conquer the, the, the giants, so then you'll have courage to conquer the next one. Does that make sense? So two lines in this song that I think is just powerful 
It says, when all I see is the battle, you see my victory. When all I see is the mountains, you see the mountains move. And I started saying that over myself. When, you, when I see the mountains, you see them moving by faith already. They're gone. And I'm still focused on the mountain that I haven't even realized that it's going to be gone as soon as I say the word. Or I look at the battles that I'm facing because it's so hard. And, and battles are hard. It's not supposed to be easy battles. Battles are hard. And sometimes I focus on all the things that are happening and I lose focus on the victory that I have in him and I know that I will overcome this giant because he's with me and he's for me and he's not against me. So as we, uh, I'm going to pray and then Ryan's going to play the song and during that song if you want to come forward for prayer I'm just going to lay hands on you and just release courage. So Jesus, I thank you for this church. I thank you for this body. I thank you that we have overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Lord, I thank you that you see all and know all, and you've equipped us to, take every, to win in every battle, to win over the Goliaths, to win over the giants in the land. Nothing's too big for you, Lord. Lord, I ask you to release courage over us in this season, that we will have boldness to take our promises back, to take the land back, to walk in favor, and to walk with hope. In Jesus' name, amen.